Well, hello, again, Vintage family. How are you today? All right, there you are. My name is Travis, if I hadn't met you, and I am the uh, senior teaching pastor in our Vintage family of churches, and it's great for me to be back over at the Heights today. It's good to be here with you. Whether you're here in person, some of you are watching us online, or some of you are streaming this later, we're glad that you have chosen to be a part of our Vintage family today. If you're a guest with us, a couple of things I want to tell you. First, thank you for being here. Uh, on your way out, you heard the little plug a while ago, stop by our welcome suite to the right as you walk out, and I'd love to visit with you and talk to you maybe a little bit more about what your next steps can be here in Vintage. And... I know we're all about to scatter into summer, so if you haven't, let me encourage you, if you're a smart device kind of person, download our Vintage Church app, because that's our primary means of communicating with you about things going on in our church, and you can keep up with the life of our church. You can watch messages, you can take notes online, you can keep giving <clears throat> through the app, unashamed plug there, yeah, baby, before I pop up the beach umbrella, I got to send in my tithe, right? Why you say, we don't care where you are, as long as you keep honoring the Lord like that. So that's why before we all step into the hot summer temps, we're going to talk today for just a moment about what raises ours. This, as we continue our little study titled Mixed Emotions, How to Deal with What You Feel. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to find the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. New Testament, past the Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 4. So this is our series where we've been venturing into this oh-so-important concept of understanding what good emotional health looks like, you know, from a biblical perspective. And learning how to discipline our emotions, our emotional side, in order to have strong relationships with other people, right? That's the thing that keeps us connected. And we've talked about a whole myriad of things. We've talked about understanding our emotions, what's the difference in an emotion and a feeling. We've talked about how to deal with unwanted feelings. We've talked about how to manage our minds and, and free ourselves from what the enemy is trying to do in, in our brains, you know, those little voices that we battle sometimes and the thing he whispers to us. We talked about how to manage our schedules and the, and the busyness that often distracts us from our own spiritual growth. Anybody else worn out from busyness? Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about how to deal with conflict, how conflict hinders us and the way that we can manage it in a Christ-like way. And we've even talked about what to do with fear or our fears, those things that keep us cowardly or, or timid or ineffective for God's work. And today, well, today is another doozy. <clears throat> As a person, it's something that I know a lot about because you may not be able to tell in the light, but I'm redheaded. And when I was younger, I was really redheaded. Uh, life and children kind of gets that fade going, y'all know, on our heads. But as a pastor, it's also maybe one of the most pervasive things that I've had to learn to manage, something that can blow up a church, something that can destroy a marriage, something that can ruin a family or decimate a friendship that you have. It's something that can wreck a country, and we're seeing it right now. I love how the dictionary defines this. The dictionary calls it a strong feeling of displeasure. Hmm. An intense emotional state, 
a fervent sense that makes you want to be unpleasant. Mm. You and I, we just call it anger. Getting ticked off. Getting all lathered up. Pick your euphemism, whatever you want to call it. Getting fuming, hot, whatever you want to say. Call it what you want. Because today, although I know we are all experts on how to cause it for others, Today, we're going to talk about how to pause it and handle it from a Christ-like perspective. Why? Well, because our destiny, our purpose is tied to our relationships. Watch this. This one, the vertical, and these, the horizontal. And friends, I'm telling you, it's both directions. If this relationship is not right between you and God, guess what? These probably aren't going to be right either. And if these aren't right, you you can't sit there and say that you're all right here. Because the truth is, you're probably not. My wife knew what we were talking about today. And she asked me if I'd heard the message this week. And I was like, honey, I'm giving the message. She said, that's not what I asked. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Ask the Apostle Paul. I'm not the only person who had to learn to manage anger and angry people. A quick tiptoe through Paul's letters, his New Testament letters, and I'm telling you, for every I can do all things through Christ, yeah, he says that, you'll find Paul saying to people, y'all, quit suing each other. 1 Corinthians 6.1. People, he says, stop backbiting and devouring each other. Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 15. And then he called two people out in the church by name. And he said to them, get along. You two, get along with each other. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. How would you like that? How would you like to be noted by name henceforth and forevermore? So every time anybody opened their Bible, there was your name and it was about something that you shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, Paul knew a thing or two. To the point that to the Ephesians, Paul wrote this, Ephesians 4, verse 26, and I'm going to read you verse 27 too. It says, in your anger, do not sin. But then it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You want some help for handling anger? (laughs) There it is. Number one from Paul, don't sin and let your anger win, so to speak. The, the word in Paul's language means provoked, exasperated, enraged. One version of the scripture says this, be angry, just don't sin when you are. You know, I, I always say that we, we have this image of Jesus as this soft, compassionate, healing kind of person, and he was, but you know what else he did? What I always say, never forget, Jesus flipped over a few tables in his lifetime too. This is not about you being some mamby-pamby, passive, ho-hum Christian all the time. This, this is not about not being angry. Uh-uh. In, in fact, there are some things that should make you mad. Somebody takes advantage of you, that should make you mad. It wasn't right. Somebody messes with your family, man, if that doesn't make you mad, you better check your pulse. Maybe like some of you, I've kind of gotten used to it. 
As an adult, and the older I get, I can generally take it, you know, when people are antagonistic or come at me the wrong way. But you start messing with my kids, it's a different thing. It's going to make me mad. I don't make you mad. When you see injustice in the world, that'll upset you. When you watch worldly ways and wacky people take over and try to tell you their way is the right way, that ought to make you mad. The, the admonition here is different. It, those things ought to get you revved up. But what Paul is saying here is that just be careful that when you get revved up, you don't also foul up. In other words, this is about how can I express my anger in non-destructive ways. My mom told me when I was a boy, confession, when I was a boy, wooden door in my bedroom, and, and I had this wooden T. My name is Travis, right? So I had a T for my name hanging on the door. And when I was a kid, you know what I was? I was a door slammer. <laughs> I'd slam that door, and like clockwork, that wooden T would fall on the ground. Kaboom. One time I did it so many times that it snapped in half. And so my parents lovingly, they glued it back together. A little more time went on. I slammed the door again and that little wooden teeth fall off again. And dad got some duct tape and put it around it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 says this. If you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. That's something. So, yes, you got to let it out. Scream in a pillow if you have to. Go, go out to the garage. Some of you got that punching bag in the garage. Go hit that thing. Don't hit other people, by the way. Go on the run. Do the workout. Go talk to someone you trust about why you feel the way you do. Because the truth is, Yes, we have to do our best to get things resolved before a day is over with. But man, oh man, sometimes we really mess it up. That's why the second thing here from Paul, don't let the test, whatever's getting you, steal your rest. And that's a slang expression Paul used. You've heard it before. It used to always bother me. Don't, don't let the sun go down on you while you're mad. Well, sometimes I am mad. And it's, it's fading in the day and I'm still upset. Can, can I share with you a couple of things? You know as well as I do that that... Even though the day may be done, its effects on us aren't. And, and many a night's sleep has been compromised as we have laid there, loathing away, fuming, recreating what happened and what we said or what we should have said. Hold on, what we're going to say the next time. And we get that all rehearsed in our mind. When the truth is, friends, sometimes we can't, Talk it all the way through the night and wear each other out. Sometimes we do need to press pause and get some rest and think about it a little bit more. Quite often, we, we do need to step back and take a break and let the Lord work on them. Hold on. Let the Lord work on us. Soften us a little bit. Why? Well, because the Bible says, Proverbs 12, 16, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So even when we're angry, we have to trust God that he's sovereign. He's bigger than our madness. 
and he can help us find a solution. That's why that third thing Paul says, don't make a spot for what makes you hot, let's say. Isn't that a great word he uses? Don't give the devil a foothold. What a visual, right? You, you think of mountain climbing and, and that, that person that's spelunking, they call it, right? And they're grabbing for that one spot for a toehold or a foothold just to hang on. That's what the word means here. It translates a space, a spot, a room. When you're mad, don't give the devil a space, a spot, or a room to occupy. Because sometimes, you know what happens, the truth is, other people do apologize. Or maybe they do own up to their mistake. Or maybe you are able to make your point and state your case, and yet you won't let it go, ever. And when you do that, you are giving the enemy a space, a spot, a foothold to hang on to. Instead, the Bible says this, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I'll repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You hear that? You, you hear what drenches and quenches the fires of anger? Not more fire. But the coolness of kindness. Baby, I love you. You're talking to your spouse. I love you. I'm committed to you forever and ever. So I got you this blankie and pillow and cup of cold water so you can sleep on the couch tonight. That's a biblical response. We need some space. So here, you go in another room and sleep, right? I always tell young couples when I'm doing premarital counseling with them, it's, it's very simple. God designed it not like this to be with your spouse. He designed it like this. Not this. This. They have things you need, and you have things they need. That's why you got together in the first place. Y'all, we've gotten so used to the wrong ways to express our anger that we don't even realize it anymore. So in the time we have left, I want to quickly identify some wrong anger outbursts, you can call them. And then I want to try to give you some right anger angles, some ways to react the right way when you're mad. Four wrong ways to express anger. And, and I'm telling you, every one of us fit into one of these categories. Number one, the exploders. Guilty. Come on, somebody else. I know. You're lying. You are. And people know it. Everybody within a 12-block radius of your house knows it. Because they hear you. Oh, he's getting mad again. He's going off about something screaming. Y'all know your neighbors can hear you, right? You're like, I live out in the country. I'm telling you, Bubba on the other side of the pasture, he knows what's happening at your house. Those cows are out there in the pasture, they're chewing, they're cutting, they're looking up, and oh man, she is mad again, boo. Exploders only know one way to respond. Explode. Cuss, throw things, hit, yell, roar. They are a walking hand grenade with the pin already pulled. And then there are the imploders. It's just the opposite. 
They don't blow up, they, they clam up, and you know who you are. And, and those people are like when you try to hold a sneeze inside. I mean, it's possible, but it's nasty, right? You didn't let it out, right? But, but it's all inside you now, and you got something hanging out your nose, you don't even know it. You, you think you held it together, but, but you did your body some serious damage. Imploders are like that. They masquerade, they pretend, they, they conceal, don't feel. And they may not be walking hand grenades, but instead they're like a simmering crock pot. And it's just brewing and bubbling. And one of these days when you take that lid off, it's going to come out. And then there are the martyrs. Oh my goodness, build a self-statue and have a pity party. I really have a lot of great kids' movies examples from Tangled. I am such a terrible person. That's a martyr. If you find a martyr five cents for punishment, they will give you their entire bank account. Right? Just so theatrical. So much drama. But deep down inside, it's very passive-aggressive and self-seeking. They, just, they want the attention. So they do all this extra to get it. And then finally, this fourth one there called the saboteurs. Oh, yeah. Au contraire, mohair. Saboteurs, they don't get mad, they get even. And you know what, y'all? In our world today, unfortunately, saboteurs are often viewed as heroes or, or heroines. Because they're the kind of people like you. You take an inch, I'm going to come after you, and I'm going to take two miles, whether it's from them or, or somebody else they know. Friends, Jesus said just the opposite. If, if somebody, he said, if somebody asks you, forces you to walk one mile, go two. If they want your cloak, give them your shirt too. We get it all mixed up. Saboteurs are sneaky. They're manipulative, and in truth, they're immature because they don't know how to process their feelings face-to-face. -face. I'm, a, I'm a whites of the eye kind of guy, right? And you can't process feelings texting or emailing. All these wrong ways to handle anger, but, but here's the deal. Those are learned responses, and you know what? Sometimes we learn them from the house we grew up in. Woo! But here's the good news. Because they're learned, God is sovereign over all people and all things, which means they can be unlearned. So let me give you some of these right anger angles. Five right ways to handle anger. Here's the first one. Count the cost. In other words, oh, trigger finger angerist. Before you blow up, it's probably a good idea to add it up and see if it's actually worth you being or getting mad about. Here's why. Because the Bible says Proverbs is such a great book. An angry person causes trouble and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. Proverbs 29, 22. Because hot tempers cause arguments, says Proverbs 15, 18. Because anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 14, 29. You ever been all mad about something 
maybe you're trying to get that tiny little screw in the spot, right? Because you don't have time and you're trying to get it in a minute. And your kid or your spouse or somebody else walks up and just goes, right? Anger causes mistakes. And because Proverbs 14, 17, people with hot temper do foolish things. Parents, you ever been talking to your kids and you say, what, why did you do that? Or that classic, we go, what were you thinking? And your kid goes, mm, exactly. You weren't. So if we can simply discipline ourselves to take a split second and calculate Sometimes we will find that maybe there's a better way to react. Guilty here. Anybody else? Another right way to handle your anger is to consider why you're angry. Hurt people hurt people. It's true. Therefore, quite often it's healthy for us to consider why we got so ticked off in the first place. Was it really them or was it a past hurt that accidentally got unearthed by them? It really didn't have anything else, but they said the wrong thing, and it hits you the wrong way, but it wasn't coming initially from it. It's something you remember. Did, did their words really sting like you think? Or were they just words that you've heard before from other people, but you have still not listened to what everybody keeps saying? Did they really do it intentionally? Or were you just tired and running hot from a busy day? So you just blew up on them. Great word in Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. A woman's wisdom gives her patience. It's to her glory to overlook an offense. A grandparent's wisdom gives them patience. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. What's it mean to overlook? Well, it doesn't always mean to ignore it. It doesn't mean to recognize that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it's not going to bother you sometimes, but it's just not going to wreck the train. Another way, a right way to handle your anger is to pause before acting. My father-in-law is an ex-Navy pilot. He calls it ready, fire, aim syndrome. Think about it. Ready, fire, aim syndrome. Where we do something hastily or angrily and then we think, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You ever, you ever sent that text? And then you went, I probably shouldn't have sent that text. <laughs> Or you go back later and you read the message that you put out there and you go, ooh, that didn't come across like I was feeling. That's the danger of that, friends. And the Bible coaches us otherwise. The Scripture says sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs thirteen sixteen. So another right way to handle your anger is to ask for help. That means parents, sometimes you got to ask the other parent to step in while you step out. Employees, sometimes you got to have the coworker express your issue to the boss if you can't. 
Sibling, sometimes you got to let your other sibling say it to mom or dad without yelling because you just can't. And of course, Christian, sometimes we have to look to God's help and His hand before we take matters into our own. It's not easy, is it? Because we want to take matters into our own hands. And we want to get even. And we want to state our case. And we want to rectify when in truth we're not called to rectify. Friends, we're called to exemplify. You know what we're called to exemplify? What's listed in Galatians 5, verse 22? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Then it goes on and says goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everybody say self-control. Now let's say it like this. Self-control. Not others' control. Not situational control. Not I want everything my way kind of control. But it's me, with God's help, harnessing me. That's why this final right way to handle anger is to acknowledge our insecurity. Proverbs 29, verse 25 of the message, it reads so great. It says, the fear of human opinion disables you. But trusting in God protects you from that. Did did they really mean to offend you? Or did they just remind you of that uncertainty or anxiety that you already feel inside? Was it actually intentional on their part? Or did it simply bother you because you've been there, dealt with that before, but you, you still haven't gotten it resolved in you or with them? Remember, friends, God uses us to grow other people. And we like that part, right? I can solve your issues quick. But he also uses other people to grow us. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. My granddad, I called him Paul Paul. He had an old shed out behind his house. And then that old shed, he, he had this old grinding wheel. Crazy looking contraption. It, it reminded me as I think back, uh, one of those little miniature green cars from the 1940s, like it was turned upside down. And, and underneath it, it had this big black steel wheel. And I remember going out into that old shed with my, with my pawpaw and He'd reach over and he'd, he'd flip the little steel switch and that thing would start whirring. And then he'd take something that had a chunk knocked out of it. Or something with a corner missing. Or, or something that had a little shard or an, an edge to it. And he'd put it against that steel wheel. And I remember as a kid, I, I didn't like the sound. I didn't really even like the sparks flying. And I certainly didn't like the creepy feeling of grinding steel in a shadowy shed. That was always kind of weird. (laughs) But what I did like was the astonishing result. 
because every time what was once chunky became smooth. What once had something missing was, well, all, all of a sudden it was whole again. That jagged edge, it, it became slick. So slick, you could just rub it with your hand. And friends, I've, I've come to know as an adult, as a believer, that my grandfather is not the only one who works that way. And, and though I don't like it all the time, Sometimes I don't even notice it myself. Or, or there's something about me that I've learned to live with. Very abrasive. But he hasn't learned to live with it. And my Heavenly Father notices it. And he's not content to just let me stay that way. And he desires nothing more than to make me smooth and whole and healed again. To level off that, that memory chunk in my life or in my mind. To, to grind down that, that jagged attitude of mine. To, to smooth out that hurt spot. To even out that worn perspective of mine. Because I'm not seeing things the right way. So that in the end, I come out looking more like his end goal for me. I become conformed into the image of his son. Did, did you know that? We, we always talk about finishing our race, running our race. Lord, just, just get me there to heaven one day. Did you know? Yeah, that's part of it. But did you know the way God works? By the time you get there, he doesn't want you to look like you anymore. He wants you to look like Jesus. He doesn't want you to be the same you you've always been. He wants to see you that maybe other people have never seen. And by the time you get to glory, he's complete. Anybody else got hurts or, or hits or unhealed places in their life? Stuff that causes or, or re-causes you to get so frustrated and angry. I know I'm not alone. And so today I'm going to ask the Lord to work in your life. And to do his work in you or on you, even, even if it's uncomfortable. Can I do that? I'm going to ask you just bow your head where you are for just a moment. Because Father is true and, and we confess that your word is spot on on this. That in us are things that shouldn't be. And that quite often we react in ways you wouldn't want and you don't desire. To forgive us, Lord, for our anger outbursts, for, for being exploders and, and wrecking other people around us, for being imploders and, and doing damage to ourselves. Lord, forgive us for being martyrs and attention seekers rather than humble servants, believing in your sovereignty to make things right. Or for being saboteurs and trying to fix things and get things right ourselves rather than trusting you. 
Lord Jesus, we know that you have set us an example. You have taught us what and how to exemplify. And so today, I pray for the one who needs to count the cost before they blow up again. Lord, I lift up the person who needs to consider why they're so angry and that maybe there's, there's steps that they need to take towards improvement, things that everyone else is already seeing that they ought to be doing. For the one who needs to pause before acting, that they might live with less regret and more intentionality, more Jesus' response and less of their own. God, for the person who needs to ask for help, I pray they'll lay aside their pride and see the strides that they might take towards improvement. And Lord, that we all might acknowledge our insecurities, knowing that you're using others to grow us and remove those jagged places from our lives or our thoughts or our actions. Father, be God in us and, and continue to conform us more and more into the image of your son. Don't give up on us, Lord. I pray. For some of you, there's maybe a real reason why things aren't or haven't been resolved in your life yet. Maybe there's a real reason why you're, you still feel trapped or stuck in your anger or your frustration. And so I want to say to you today, if that's you, I want to say it this way to you, that you cannot have the peace of God without having peace with God. And maybe that truth is your truth today, and you know it. And this day is your day, and God has spoken, and he's offering to, to set you free from those feelings or your past or just the way things have been in your life. And his fresh start for you is waiting right now, this weekend, today. If that's you and, and you're ready for that because you just realize that your control hasn't worked and, and you need him to take control of your life, then in just a moment, I'm going to challenge you to do something very bold and not just think about it, but to act upon it today. And in a moment, I'm, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to just ask you to slip your hand up, not to embarrass you, but nobody else is looking but me. But so I can pray for you and with you in this moment. If you know that's you and, and you are ready for God to take control, you're ready for him to come into your life, to give you a new opportunity, a new chance, to make things right again, then on the count of three, just slip up your hand so I can see it. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray to him. Ready? One two, three. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to lead you in a little prayer. You, you pray this from your heart out loud to God and he'll hear you. And all of us, I want us to pray this together out loud in recognition of the need we all have and support of these who are doing this for the very first time. So let's say this. Dear Lord, I come to you now and I ask you to take control. I'm sorry I've been so angry. Thank you for not being angry with me. 
Forgive me for what I've done and help me do things your way. I believe what your word says. I know you are God. And I ask you to be Lord over my life. So take control. And I will follow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's celebrate these that have done that today.